Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Thanks for joining us for the ASHP Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. This series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including anything from the business of pharmacy to development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Antonia Akrap. I'm the manager of perioperative pharmacy services at Massachusetts General Hospital, and I will be your host today. In honor of Women's History Month, we are sitting down with four very strong women in pharmacy leadership, and I'm very excited to hear from them today. So our guest today will be Lindsay B. Amory, who is the System Executive Director of Pharmacy at UNC Health, Lindsay R. Kelly, who is the Associate Chief of Pharmacy at the University of Michigan Health, Alexandra Nilges, who is the PGY2 Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Resident at Cleveland Clinic, and finally, Noemi Kanin, who is the PGY1 Health System Pharmacy Administration resident at UNC Health. So thanks again to the four of you for joining us today. Uh, I think you know a lot of what we'll focus on this afternoon is really what your personal leadership journeys have been, both within your professional careers and association work. So I'd really like to start by asking each of you to maybe first share your background and career journey with us. And more specifically here, a little bit of those critical points in life that really encouraged you to pursue formal leadership in your careers. So I'll ask if maybe Lindsay A. can get us started with this question. Yeah, thanks, Antonia. I'm currently the System Executive Director of Pharmacy, and I think a couple of different inflection points that I've noticed over my career, one of them being uh, when I finished my PGY2 residency and getting the advice that your career is a marathon and to not burn out at mile seven. But in my career at that time, being told that I was at mile 0.5 and it hurt a little bit because I felt like I had done the two years were seemed to be very long and that I was only at a 0.5 of a 26.2 mile race. But I think what I learned over that is that I do need to pace myself and trying to make sure that things that I become involved in are the things that I can really put my interest and my passions into, and that I can do the core of my job really well. And so with that, I think I've been very purposeful with the things that I've been involved in outside of my core position, including um, different professional organizations, ASHP definitely being a core component of that, and making sure that anything that I'm going to say that I'm going to do, that I can do it really, really well, because I also want to leave time for the personal aspects. And think if you fill up your cup with only career and professional items, you don't leave as much room for those personal items. And I think that's where, from an inflection point, you can definitely hit that burnout um, pretty quick. So I was able to learn that early on, which I think has definitely helped me over the course of time. That's great. And to piggy off of Lindsay's point, her speaking about how career is a marathon and wanting to find things that align with your interests and really spark that passion in you. I think of from an early point in my life, how my mom inspired my leadership journey Pretty early on, I was seeing my mom running political campaigns and events and meetings and really, I think, emulating what I want to be like as a powerful woman in leadership roles. And 
she's really influenced my vision of the importance of being involved in things that fill up your cup and how your efforts, no matter how small, when you're doing things like that can really impact change. So my mom has definitely shaped what I strive to do within my career, despite them being two completely unrelated things. And I know that, you know, there's other women in leadership who are working to have a career that is a marathon. And I just really appreciate Lindsay Amarine's advice and in, in telling us to find those things. I think strong women who are able to communicate that you should pursue your passions um, throughout your career are definitely worth hearing and taking their advice to heart. Yeah. Thanks for talking about that, Alex. I think one of the things I always think about when I in my journey is really related to kind of being ready when those moments occur or when, you know, you're kind of getting that advice or running in tour. I think specifically there was a moment in my life coming out of residency where I had the opportunity to connect with another strong woman leader. And, you know, I was very fortunate. And at the time there was, here was this woman who was willing to help me with anything. And she said, you know, what are you interested in? I'll help connect you with this person. Have you looked at this job? What are your goals? And it was a little bit overwhelming at that moment. I don't know if any of you have had that experience where you're coming out of kind of drinking from the fire hose, figuring out what you what you really are passionate about. And so that really taught me to really narrow down and to really refine on a fairly regular basis. You know, what am I interested in? What skills or opportunities have I not had or want to have, you know, going forward so that when the world really presents me with these doors, I can walk through them fully prepared. Similar to Lindsay Kelly, I personally didn't always know that I wanted to pursue a career in leadership, but it just took a mentor who believed in me and trusted their vision of me, who they invested time and effort to kind of encourage me to pursue leadership. So piggybacking on the when doors open and opportunities come your way, never be afraid to walk into those doors and surround yourself with mentors who have your best interests at heart, who continue to pour into you so that you can pour into yourself. And I'm so grateful for those mentors that I've had along the way who've helped me see the vision that's led me to where I am today. Um, So I can definitely agree with your sentiments, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I think as well as someone who's fairly fresh out of residency in their first year in their career, it's really great to hear those points of being intentional of what you're working on and what you're pursuing. And I think along that vein, what fills up your cup, if you will, can you all share a little bit about your trajectories and leadership journeys, more specifically within professional associations um, and the roles you've had with them? I know I know this group has experienced the many hours of commitment within professional associations and um, have had significant impacts in these associations. Maybe Alex, if you could start us off with your journey a bit. I know from what you'd mentioned, it sounds like from a very early age, you've had some influence on this path. Yes, thank you, Antonia. Definitely influenced from an early age in terms of advocacy and legislative work. And I think that really set me up when I went into pharmacy school at the University of Kentucky to find how I could channel that into pharmacy advocacy. So I'm sure it's a shared pathway amongst this group, but early on in my first year, I was able to join our legislative committee, which really served three organizations under our umbrella org. So I had NCPA, APHA, and ASHP student chapters um, who are all serviced through UK's legislative committee. In that role, I 
ascended into a chair position of sorts. So that also dueled as the policy vice president for APHAASP's chapter at Kentucky. Um, but I was connected there with really involved pharmacists at the state and national levels who just continued to show me the power of being involved within your professional associations and the resources that came with it. So that was something that was ingrained in me pretty early on in pharmacy. And I just looked for more ways to develop within association work as a student. And then moving into residency, it was sort of a new question of, well, how do I stay involved? I don't have a student chapter anymore. And where does the state or national organization come in? And of course, this year, I've had the honor of serving as the chair of the Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Residence Collaborative, or PALRC. And then working with you, Antonia, last year as the inaugural chair really showed me a path forward within organization work and has allowed me to connect with the women on this call to see what are my next steps, what should I be looking to do after that. So association um, experiences in general have shaped the way that I practice as well as how I view pharmacy practice advancing, really along the lines of one of my early mentors from legislative committee saying, you give up, nothing will change or it will change in the opposite direction. And knowing that our associations are really forming the backbone of that work and keeping us moving along. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear you say that, Alex, about, you know, if you don't get involved in the opportunity, it could change either in the direction that you might not want or without you. It's interesting. So I started probably very similarly as a student leading within APHA, ASP, serving as the president of my student chapter, participating in House of Delegates and developing, I think, my initial passion for change within the organ within our profession and within organizations. I had the opportunity, I would say two opportunities early on in my career that I think really cemented my passion for professional organizations and the opportunity to change the trajectory within them. I was able to serve on the New Practitioner Forum Executive Committee, which I think was a really lovely opportunity early on in my career. I had a gentleman who advocated for me and I was really grateful for that because I, coming out of APHA, I wasn't that familiar with ASHP and I wasn't aware of all the opportunities. And I, I fell into kind of this organization hotbed. I had come to do residency in Minnesota. There's a lot of organization leadership that comes out of Minnesota. And so I had this lovely opportunity to be, you know, mentored and strengthened and supported and develop advocates there. I served then on a number of different committees within ASHP, but one of them early on was in um, the Council on Pharmacy Practice. And I got to observe amazing leadership there, um, the leaders who were leading and chairing and just the voices that were there were really, I just thought really powerful and it was really inspiring. And then I think now, not working on the new practitioner, but on the section of pharmacy practice leaders, there's this opportunity to really hear what my peers are doing and maybe sometimes be a little envious or jealous, but also inspired because I just, the opportunity to work with people who have such great minds and are doing such great things is just, I think this really powerful way to, to stay motivated within my, within my profession and in my own practice, to be honest. Thanks for sharing, Lindsay and Alex. Uh, my experience is a little different. I didn't have too much involvement with um, local organizations or national organizations until my final year of pharmacy school. I did play a role in um, st the Student National Pharmaceutical Association, also known as SNAPA. And I 
played a role in the local chapter on our school level. But then during my final year, I had the opportunity to serve as the national corresponding secretary. And this was a very meaningful moment for me and realizing how important associations are for our practice. For those who aren't familiar with SNAPA, um, we focus on serving the underserved. And so the importance of serving the underserved while promoting active participation in national health care issues to further develop the role of the minority health professional as a vital member of the healthcare team was our driving force for our association. And so being able to work with other students and connect them with leaders across the nation was a very um, powerful moment for me and pivotal moment in my career as I got to, not only did I get to set up different events um, to help with, uh, there's different chairs like fighting diabetes chairs, remember the ribbon chairs. We got to serve the community at a more national level and watching the different chapters throughout the nation put on different events to showcase uh, serving the underserved. What definitely led me to want to continue to pursue professional associations. And now I get to serve next to Alex as the vice chair for the PALRC, which in this role has definitely brought it all together for me as I get to serve not only future leaders, but current leaders now. We get to work with our peers and get to learn from each other and get to see the great things that they're doing at their organizations and what we're trying to do for the profession of pharmacy and trying to push it forward as future leaders. Uh, And I know that the ladies on this call can kind of attest to that, working with each other and working with our peers. We can do more together than we can alone. And so I've definitely been able to experience that with them. One of my favorite quotes is from Nelson Mandela, it seems impossible until it's done. And so a lot of the changes that we want to do it always seems like you can't do it until you get on a call with Alex and the rest of the PELRC and you kind of leave feeling motivated and feeling like you can take over the profession and even the world. So that's kind of been my drive for continuing to pursue um, professional association. Well, Noemi, kudos to you and Alex for all the work that you guys have done on PALRC this year. And, and certainly thanks to Antonio for all your work um, setting up PALRC this past year. We've gotten to, uh, both Lindsay and I have gotten the ability to see you guys in action. And I think all the things that you guys are doing is is awesome. And you guys are all getting me fired up about uh, all the different things we're doing. I was over here cheering when Lindsay Kelly was talking about the Council on Pharmacy Practices. That for me, I think the opportunity early on in my career to be a part of a council, if you've never done that, you've never been in, in policy work, would definitely encourage you to try to get on a council and, and be a part of that. I also happened to be on the Council of Pharmacy Practice, and that was the council that I worked through. And what I found through that was I think a lot of times in our day-to-day jobs, we you kind of get bogged down with, well, I can't do that. The law doesn't allow us. The policy doesn't allow us to do that. That's not the typical way that it's been done. And policy week for me and when I got involved in ASHP really opened my mind to it's just a matter of where you spend your effort. And where, if you're going to spend that effort, how do you make the changes happen? And we were fortunate to be able to have Legislative Day as a part of that week, was able to talk through with my House reps and senators on a number of different things pertaining to the profession and found that, um, in particular, one of my House reps, he really wasn't a part of healthcare committees. 
didn't know the bills that we were bringing forward. And we were one of the first people to introduce him to these bills and these concepts. And he asked really great questions, definitely had a solid understanding of healthcare in general, but hadn't sort of bubbled up to him. And after the conversation, stayed in touch with his legislative aides, and he was actually able to sign on and be a co-sponsor of the bills moving forward. And so that was kind of one of my early aha moments of how do you get involved and get involved in the areas that you are passionate about and that can make a difference and that you really do have to work through the professional organization to be able to have that as a platform that they want to pursue. And then being able to just go and have a conversation with somebody that is can be at the table and that can co-sponsor bills and, and can get things moving. So that, that was definitely one of my aha uh, moments early on. And then I think to, to the points that all three have made, really just connecting with peers across the country, I think that's what gets me re-energized, gets me sort of that stayed, gets me to be energized throughout the year, I think is, is what excites me when I get to hear what other people are doing and or it validates what we are currently doing. I, th- I think that's where I, I get really excited. And so um, those connection points that you have in professional organizations, I, I really can't find them anywhere else, to be honest. And, and I think I definitely encourage everybody to, to get involved. Even if, if policy is not your passion, it's totally okay. There's plenty of other things that, that you can connect on. Thanks, Lindsay. I feel so motivated after everything each of you have just said. Um, that was incredible to hear. And definitely echo, you know, all the thoughts on the power that many voices have. I think it's so easy to get bogged down in our day-to-day positions that association work, it sounds like for everybody here, gives you the opportunity to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and everything that's been accomplished. And also sounds like each of you have had mentors that have influenced you to be able to even pursue these positions and given you great advice on what councils and committees to pursue. And I think maybe I'd ask next, you know, what advice do you have to aspiring leaders for both pursuing a professional association or uh, their career journeys? Um, And maybe if Lindsay Kay can get us started. Yeah, my pleasure. So here's what I would tell people in thinking about what you want to do. It took me a minute to get here in my own journey which is, I don't know if Lindsay mentioned this earlier, we talk about it a lot, which is quality over quantity. And it's easy to see value in every opportunity. I think I would advocate that maybe new and all leaders think about like refining what your contributions are, both ensuring that they align with with your own personal career goals and where, where you really find passion, but also thinking about where your voice, I think, adds additional value or impact right? And so like, I think there really is value in in honoring your passions and perspectives and thinking about like what you bring to the table that might be different. And then also finding strength in bringing something to the table that might be different. Partly because if you know me, I'm a huge fan of crowdsourcing because I think so many different perspectives are important to get to a really refined product, but also because what I've learned over time is that there's value in offering another voice because there's somebody else out there that's waiting for you to say that thing because they were thinking it and they just didn't have the courage to say it because no one else had yet. And so I think really figuring out like where you're the person that can bring that and aligning it with your goals and kind of your passions, I think is 
is what I would advocate people do going, at least going forward in their career. Thanks for that, Lindsay. I will definitely have to agree with you. I know a mentor of mine, he always tells me authentic leadership. He says, I'm one of a kind. And the thing that's going to get me to that next level is me continuing to be myself. And for other young leaders out there, there's times where you feel like you don't fit into a space or you don't have room at that table or you don't know the, the right words to say. But there's no such thing as the right words to say except your own words. And you have to continue to walk into your own shoes and create your own perspective. And whatever that perspective is, someone needs to hear it. Our profession needs to hear it. And you're here because we need you. And those words have kind of stuck with me because in other in order to inspire others on their journey, you have to take inspiration and passion for leadership from your own life story in order to kind of pass that torch forward. And so before you can lead others, you first have to understand yourself because the hardest person you'll ever have to lead is yourself. And so in order to lead yourself, you have to know yourself and you have to continue to grow yourself and be happy in the skin that you're in. And just remember, authentic leadership is what's going to take you to that next level. And that's what's going to diversify our profession and continue to put us at that forefront that we've been fighting to be at. So I just encourage you all to just be yourself and always strive to bring diversity of perspective to every table that you take a seat at. I love all of that. I, I think in addition to being authentic, uh, maybe going back a little bit to Lindsay Kelly's point as well of the the quality over quantity, I think just as much as you say yes to things, I think being intentional about what you say no to so that the things that you do say yes to, you can truly be all in. And I really had to, to kind of take a pause on that coming out of residency because there are so many good opportunities and really hone in on which professional organizations that I want to be involved in and what did those look like? Was it committee involvement and, and kind of start to map out which ones I'm most interested in and proceed from there. And, you know, at this point, I probably say no to more opportunities than I say yes to, because the things that I really do want to participate in, I just know I'm not going to be able to give my full self and my authentic self, if I keep saying yes to all the things and it'll just dilute my efforts. And I don't want to, to give anybody a diluted effort. I want to give them the, the full effort. So I, I think being intentional about what you say yes to, and also being intentional with what you say no to. I think that's great segue hearing all of you thinking about having quality over quantity and being all in and identifying those things that you really want to run with. My advice for aspiring leaders, I think, is once you identify those things, my life motto is do it well, make it fun. So I think you should bring that spark for creativity and excitement to the roles that you do choose to serve in. I think sometimes there's always something with a job or with an association role that's not always the most glamorous. The planning, the calendar invites, whatever it is, the a million emails, find a way that you can make it fun because you're going to do it well if it's something that you're committed to and you're committed to uh, developing in. But it sure is a lot easier to achieve excellence in those results when you're having fun along the way. And I think trying to be that person that brings the sense of creativity and excitement to a role that it's always going to have serious work and we're always going to have difficult things to talk about and do. But if you can 
can help out in the sense of creating a team and a space that people want to be in that is equally as important to whatever it is that you're doing. So I think it speaks to all the points that were touched on of quality and quantity and being inclusive and trying to bring something different to the table. Um, just leaning into the things that you can bring, which is a positive environment for people to work in. Yeah, thanks, Alex, and everyone for those thoughts. I know this was already said by Alex, too, but that quality over quantity comment really resonates, especially someone, as I mentioned before, who's pretty new out of residency. Like we're just trained to take on a lot of uh, new and exciting um, projects. So I think that's left me with something good to think about. I know we've you know, had a chance to talk quite a bit about your personal leadership journeys and experiences, but I think maybe a final thought I would like to leave listeners with is to just take a moment and ask each of you what your leadership imperative is, both for, you know, the pharmacy profession and practice. Um, I feel like leaders, especially on the front lines, it can be easy to lose sight of those larger big picture items. And would like to leave our listeners with a vision for the future if maybe Noemi can get us started. Thank you. I would love to get us started. When I think about our profession, I think of how far it's grown to where it is today. But that's happened because past leaders have planted seeds of their vision and we've been able to reap the benefits from them. Um, so in order for us to continue to push forward, we have to kind of adopt that innovative mindset. We have to influence the current state and make intentional decisions about our future. And I think this could be for wins that we may never even see, or there may be wins that we see now. But ultimately, I feel like it's imperative that our expertise is passed on to the future generation of leaders. So my call to action is for current leaders to continue to invest proactively into the next generation. Um, we have to do this by encouraging, nurturing, and providing opportunities for them to experiment, fail, and even thrive. Um, we have to continue to plant those seeds uh, for the future generations can benefit from our seeds as well. And I just challenge you all to don't be afraid to fail forward. That's great, Noemi. I think not only do we want to give back and and help the next generation coming up, but I also think about it as what are ways that we're going to change maybe the bad habits that we picked up or the things that we didn't like. And maybe they didn't even happen to us, but maybe they've happened to other people and how do we change it for the better? And so when I think about precepting, I certainly want to take things that I liked for my preceptors and I want to take things that I didn't like and change them. And the thing that I can never get behind is when someone says, well, I had to do it this way. And my next question is always, well, did you like it? And was it worthwhile? And if the answer is no, it wasn't worthwhile and I didn't like it. It's like, why are we making people still do it today? We might as well change that. And I think that there are some things um, in particular, I think that we have known maybe that are out there. And I think this generation of all leaders, but in particular women leaders, that we can definitely help change the future in the trajectory is around ending sexual harassment in pharmacy. And I think it's whether it's happened to you or it hasn't happened to you, I think it's all something that we can get behind and change it for, for the better. And so that's definitely one thing that um, as I've gone through this year within the section that we've had a focus on is how do we start to at least highlight that it's still an issue and that we take forward and uh, really put an end to, because I think we we have this generation of leaders that 
agree with that sentiment and that can change it for um, everybody else that's, that's coming through the profession. Totally agree with Lindsay Amarine's point. I think we can always appreciate historical ways to Noemi's first point of what, what has been laid for us and what, what path are, have we gone down and what has been set for the future. But then also we can appreciate that and then learn from it and figure out the ways and the whys that we do and don't want to be stuck in within our profession. So I think it's really mission critical for pharmacists, pharmacy leaders, future pharmacists, just to stay in a space that makes you the one that people want to go to and they have a new idea. Um, I think you can really think about how you can foster that creativity and continue to be a positive change within the profession. And then after you're able to sort of vet out those ideas, because you're the one that people want to sort of bounce things off the wall with, figure out the good ones that are going to stick and maybe the ones that are a little out there, but then how can you circulate those ideas with other people in your networks and expand your network to the person who had the idea and brought it to you um, so we can continue to advance. So just encourage everyone to embrace that change and, and really lean into being adaptable. Yeah. I love that what you were saying about kind of honoring the history without getting stuck, right? I work with another amazing woman leader is our chief operating officer in my organization. And she always says, honor our traditions without being held back by them. And I really like that. And so I, I think that aligns a lot with what you were saying, Alex. I can't amplify what Lindsay was saying enough about ending sexual harassment. I think that's really important, not just in our profession, but in life. And I'm I'm excited about the work that ASHP is doing related to that. I'm also excited about the work that other organizations and other individuals are doing related to that as well. I think in addition to improving our profession, I would also like to see more energy and focus behind collaboration over competition. I think it's it's both easy and hard because in so much of our training, competition is helpful. And then in so much of our daily work, I think it kind of can get in the way. And so focusing on collaboration, I think specifically my call to action would be for others to, in conversation, step back, think about where your expertise might be minimal or others might have more and amplify those voices that have more experience than you. If someone is not speaking up or has just a little bit more knowledge or experience, offer the, the table or the mic to them give someone else a chance to talk about their lived experience. And then, you know, remember that doing that isn't a zero sum. Opportunity isn't zero sum, right? You can lift someone up without taking away from the expertise or value that you or someone else might bring. Thank you, uh, Lindsay Kay, for very powerful closing thoughts. I think from the entire group, I could probably speak to you all for three more hours if we <laughs> had the time. But I think that was a really great note to end to end on from a really strong group of very accomplished women in leadership uh, and pharmacy leadership specifically. I know our conversation has left me with a lot to consider, uh, especially for the future and how we can uplift each other and the profession. And hopefully it's made the same impact on our listen listeners today. Uh, so I think that's all the time we have for today, but really again, want to thank Lindsay Amarine, Lindsay Kelly, uh, Alex and Noemi for joining us today. You can find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, uh, leading pharmacy enterprises and teams, and practice management on the ASHP website. Uh, and thank you again for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast. Thanks, everyone.
Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official. Thank you.